Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. Iritis, thank you so much for joining me on Founder Views. I was really excited to have you on. Hey, Costa. Really uh, excited to be here and to talk to you. Perfect. Uh, so you are the co-founder and CEO of OmniSend, which um, you know we'll, we'll get into. Seems to be like a really awesome product for e-commerce marketers uh, that you developed. Uh, so definitely a lot I want to dive into there. But uh, if you don't mind, uh, just tell us a bit about yourself and what exactly OmniSend does and who you help. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. So like six years ago, I have co-founded Omniscient as its marketing automation tool built for anyone who sells online. So we really help online uh, retailers to, uh, to better communicate with their existing customers, um, sending email messages, sending text messages, uh, Facebook Messenger messages, WhatsApp, uh, web push notifications, and even synchronizing uh, data to run uh, really targeted and personalized uh, uh, Facebook and, and Google ad campaigns for targeting purposes or lookalike audiences. Yeah, so basically for uh, everyone who's, uh, let's say, either starting the business or still using generic email service providers like MailChimp or others, it's it's really uh, the, the step, the step ahead to really more personalize and, and use more channels in their retention marketing. Yeah, so that's that's about the tool. Uh, personally, uh, myself, uh, before before starting on this end, I used to run digital marketing agency. So that was a kind of a spin-off uh, from 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 that that business, and we were serving different kind of customers, including online stores, and like uh, saw the unique. Uh, capabilities and opportunity in this specific market and e-commerce market. And, uh, yeah, that's probably that, that, that's, uh, uh, that's what about me now. And, uh, I'm a kind of serial entrepreneur I have started like a few business in the past, a couple of startups failed in the past. And, uh, yeah, so this is a third attempt to, to build some kind of a startup fast growing global business. And uh, it's, it seems to seem to be uh, quite successful. So fingers crossed, I think going to be good in the future as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Thanks so much for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing uh, niche you carved out in this. What's well, a competitive space, like the whole email marketing, marketing automation space, but it uh, seems like you, you've done a great job carving out that niche. Were you, were you involved in e-commerce at all previously? Or like, how did this whole business come to be? So basically serving our customers as uh, like full stack digital marketing agency, we had some of the uh, e-commerce uh, customers, online stores. Uh, so that was uh, a level of uh, engagement and involvement, uh, just helping them uh, to, to drive more traffic, to increase their conversions, uh, to, to do retention marketing. And that's where we found that, you know, using those generic email service tools, uh, uh, you are limited uh, a lot. Uh, you in, in like while using those generic email service tools, you don't utilize your data enough. You don't personalize communication. You just have uh, one single channel email, and it really limits a lot, and you leave a lot of money on the table. 
um, yeah, so that was kind of, you know, uh, as a service provider and, uh, and then customer relationship with, with e-commerce. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Um, just for some context, like we're, how big is your team right now? Uh, so we are 74 now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and growing uh, half like seven open positions currently. Oh, wow. Okay. 74 people. Um, are, you, are you bootstrapped as well? Yeah, that's correct. We are bootstrapped. Amazing. Um, and are, are, do you have offices? Are you remote? Yes, we do have offices. So the home offices in uh, Vilnius, which is a capital city of Lithuania. It's a small, a rather small uh, country in northern Europe. And uh, yeah, and we have remote colleagues. We have we have uh, northern American team, uh, like based in in the US. Uh, they are nine people. All of them are remote. In, in, in this case and then the, yeah so we kind of a combination i would say we have around like you know 60 people in in, in major office and like 40 in remote that's more or less the proportion that's awesome that's huge do you sh- do you share uh, revenue numbers at all uh yes yes uh we do so like us on all size businesses so um monthly recurring revenue or annual recurring revenue is the key metric so we are uh, like getting close to 11 million uh, annual recurring revenue now. Wow. That's huge. That's, uh, that's amazing. So are you, when you say, I, I feel like um, nowadays you, you see, you hear a lot of different interpretations of like bootstrapped companies, you know, someone can call themselves a bootstrap company when they have like sold a company and put in like hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> into it. Like what, what kind of bootstrapper are you? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, let's say there were two, uh, three stages, I would say. And so initial stage, we, as it was initially a side, side project, uh, uh, we were funding it uh, uh, from digital marketing agencies. So basically earning money and, you know, the, investing in, into, into building the product. It was the first stage. The second stage was then we actually raised a really uh, little round uh, from business angels. That was 180,000, like all the amounts in, in U.S. dollars, uh, just yeah, for accuracy. So, um, uh, so uh, but uh, we did it in a uh, form of convertible notes. So we had an opportunity to, to buy them out uh, and to treat this more as a debt with like interest. So, so we just basically paid, paid out and uh, we don't have like active invest- investors participating. Uh, so that was a kind of a second stage and the third stage then we became profitable and had this opportunity to really, uh, to really, instead of convert uh, those early stage investment into, into equity to, to buy out and to really, you know, have a full control of the company. Nice. Uh, that's incredible. That's, um, you know, you, you, you bootstrap, you've grown Omnisend to, uh, to a huge business, which is absolutely incredible and pretty rare. I might add, especially, um, growing like a bootstrap business technically to the, this size. So congratulations on that. First of all, thank you. Um, thank you. Pastor. A, a lot of the listeners here are early stage founders. Those who are still growing, figure, th- figuring things out. Um, I want to take it back to the beginning. Like, how did you gain traction early on? Like, how did you get your first handful of customers? Uh, So kind of early day success was, 
with the raise of um, of um, hosted e-commerce platforms. So Shopify was, which is a giant company, like superstar. Well, or Canadian superstar now. Uh, that was pretty, pretty still like small company having like 60, 60 people in the team or even less, maybe 40, uh, et cetera, like a big commerce, tick tail at that time. So that was just uh, uh, early, early days of, of those companies. Although they kind of went in the market for, in Shopify case, let's say it was already seven or eight years in the market, but uh, up until then it was some, something like rather small business. Uh, so we kind of made integrations with uh, Ticktail, which is not in the market anymore, which which was acquired by by Shopify. With Shopify, with e-commerce, and really uh, we just got traction from that. And uh, ironically enough, Ticktail was the first platform for us to integrate with, and we got a really good traction there. And that's what we made. Uh, what's that? What's made us to believe in the product and that we're like in the right in the right niche, market niche, and unfortunately, kind of Ticktail failed and was finally fi acquired by by Shopify. Uh, I, that was not a success story, but but yeah, for at the very beginning for us, to, it was a great impulse to uh, to work, you know, and to develop things further. Yeah. So so the so integrations it, were were a major part of the growth early on. Yeah, that's correct. So basically, our playbook initial and those who are early stage uh, SaaS founders. So uh, find the ecosystem where you can piggyback on the ecosystem's growth, or like channel uh, ecosystem, like ecosystem in general. If ecosystem is established, uh, so you can you can piggyback on on someone's growth. It's probably the, the easiest way to do because you need less resources to invest in to go to market. Got it. So what was that company you said that, um, that Shopify acquired? Uh, Ticktail, T-I-C-T-A-I-L. Okay. Ticktail. So Shopify acquired Ticktail. Um, did you have to like reintegrate with Shopify's platform or was that all? Okay. So we, at the time we already had uh, an integration with Shopify as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, and they kind of, they discontinued Ticktail. I believe it's still still maybe even online, but but I mean nothing is happening there. So we had integration with Shopify as well at that at that stage. So um, okay. Yeah. So, so 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 that was about six years ago. Um, like at what point were you like, okay, Shopify is growing like crazy, and like you started realizing like Omnisen is also gonna. Uh, piggyback off this crazy growth that Shopify had. Was that like later on a bit or? Yeah, that was actually for a um, couple of years initially. Um, we are struggling to uh, to monetize. So kind of initial traction was good and then people were installing as we we, uh, we have freemium model had at that time and have up until now. Uh, so there is a free plan. So we, we've got a lot of customers on free plan, but nobody was willing to pay us for the service. So, uh, so yeah, kind of, it took us around like 20 to 22 months to, uh, really, uh, to understand, uh, for what to charge and, uh, where is the real value we are creating for our customers for, for, for which our customers would be willing to pay. So, you know, it was not just, you know, straight, uh, uh straightforward and from the very beginning. It took a bit yeah. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Took some time to figure out. Were you doing any type of sales early on, like outbound no. or nothing? No, just just purely inbound. So, uh, like at the early stage, as I said, we were just completely piggybacking on like ecosystems which already existed on, and we're growing uh, like rapidly. So, Shopify, BigCommerce, Ticktail, e-commerce growth in general. So. Yeah, got it. Okay, now, so fast forward to today then. Um, like, what does your sales and marketing look like now? You know, you, are there any specific growth channels that are working best for you at the moment? Uh, yes, so uh, now we do have sales, we do have marketing, we do have uh, partnerships in place, uh, so it's a bit more kind of established organization now so um so key channels i would say still it still remains uh, app stores uh of shopify of the commerce of magento woocommerce uh it's probably the number one channel the number two channel is uh, seo and uh, and uh, and what we call kind of general findability uh or another another word we describe is just targeted brand awareness uh so Really be there where your potential customers are already looking for solutions. So uh, uh, Google search, uh, like uh, sites, comparison sites like Aptera, G2, uh, many, many smaller ones where, where you really work to, to, to be uh, evaluated uh, or you ask your customers to leave reviews, etc. And of course, if you have a good product which your customers like. Uh, and you, you, are, you are sure that you're going to get a good reviews there. So, um, yeah, so the, those kind of uh, the, the major channels, uh, partnership uh, plays a role, uh, and then some, some of the paid ads, but we do more kind of um, for retargeting and for more for customer activation and conversion from, from free to, to paid customers, uh, not on, on the top of the funnel. Makes sense. Okay, so for partnerships, SEO, and general findability. That's a that's a unique term. I don't think I've heard that one before. Um, that's sort of like like by the sounds of it, sort of goes hand in hand with SEO, kind of. No. Uh, yes, yes, and no. So like all combined, all, all those compar- comparison sites, even even like uh, paid, uh, we target on like long tail keywords where very specific customers uh, could find us. So instead of like, uh, uh, you know, um, and it, it's encoded in the findability word, I would say it's, it's really kind of a unique term. That's how we define this. So it's, it's a way of thinking of strategy instead of just doing long tail keywords and then uh, putting into lead nurturing uh, funnel at very, very kind of early stage. We, Try to avoid those because those are the most expensive, like uh, tactics usually. And we try to catch uh, leads later down in the funnel, so where they practically already looking for a solution like ours uh, to 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 be able to expose ourselves uh, uh, in, in 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 that in that stage. And then sell, it's up to sales to convince that we are the best solution uh, comparing to. To others, which yeah. usually they, they, they usually end up with like you know three to to four solutions in the short list, and then you jump into a uh, let's say direct contact with with a bit larger customers and with smaller customers. So of course the product should sell itself. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. So, you know, the partnership, number one, that's pretty clear SEO. So I'm curious to, to hear, to dive into SEO and like the content side of things. Um, from your website, it, it seems like OmniSense doing a, like a great job with uh, content uh, and producing valuable content. Um, what is your, like, what's your content strategy in terms of, you know, how many posts uh, you put out in a given time or like length of posts? Like, how does that look? Uh, yeah. So being honest, I cannot like address very, very, very specific details because I just don't know them already. <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm like privileged enough already not to, yeah. <laughs> to know kind of the length and how many posts, but yeah, but generally rule of thumb is really uh, create the uh, like valuable content, educational content. And uh, there are like three kind of content we are producing. One, one is really uh, comprehensive pieces uh, like white papers, long posts were really uh, helpful uh, uh, handy for people and u- useful. Uh, the second is really where do where we know that it's probably not the best quality, but we need just uh, to cover some of the keywords uh, and uh, etc. To to have some link exchanges with with others etc. Uh, so we usually don't post them on the homepage of a blog, let's say, but we have those kind of you know articles somewhere in in, in our blog. And, uh, and the third is uh, really unique statistics, which works for us really well as we have, we have like tens of thousands of customers using our platform, all combined free and, and paying ones. And they provide a lot of like data and we analyze that data and we, we publish, uh, we publish infographics, we publish like statistics, uh, like two, three times per year. And it's being quoted quite widely by, by every other other bloggers who need like, you know, what is the open rate of email? What is like conversion rate? So what is the correlation between let's say email and uh, SMS channel? Uh, so that works for us. Well, it just took time uh, for, for this to really to gain the trust among others. But uh, when it's like happened, so we really get a lot of organic mentions because of, of this kind of content. Yeah, it makes sense. That's awesome. Um, how, how big is your like, marketing and content team? So in content team, we have uh, uh, free full-time and then we have contributors. And the marketing team, marketing team, so in total, currently we have uh, like 16 or 17 people. Okay, wow. Well, okay, perfect. And, and no, no sales people we do have sales we have four sales people now oh, okay okay perfect no that's great that's awesome um so you you say that email marketing is dead uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that yeah that's you know that's a tagline and i love <laughs> using it i love using it like uh well like doing some public speaking or uh, uh things like that yeah so uh you know we started as an email service provider and uh, now we are omnichannel marketing automation tool. So, and this is where fundamental change actually uh, lies behind. So uh, we strongly believe that as 
commerce is moving uh, from just separated e-commerce or retail to omnichannel commerce experience. So the marketing should be moving exactly the same way. And us marketers have to, have to provide the opportunity for our customers to choose the most preferred channels. So uh, email is still, and it will remain uh, the most effective channel, but email just as all channel uh, it's not the way we, sh- we, I mean, marketers should be thinking about that anymore. Uh, so, uh, email augmented with text messages, with, uh, web push notifications, with Facebook messenger messages, it, it really brings you like much, much better results from the same, from the same, you'd say, you'd say customer base or subscriber list. So, uh, that's, that's the idea and that's what direction we believe marketing should be going and is already going. And if you are not there yet, so uh, you might be behind it in 12 uh, to 24 months. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, do you sort of saying like eat your own dog food? Like I'm assuming you use a, a lot of, uh, what you provide to your customers with your existing clients for, you know, either upselling packages or providing value in communication in different ways? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> that's actually a paradox at some point. Uh, you know, we use the channel. Yeah, we use the channels we provide. Uh, we use Omnisend itself, but we use other, uh, let's say, email service providers as well, which are built for SaaS businesses like HubSpot, like Intercom, because uh, we are built for e-commerce. And all the kind of all the use cases, uh, we, we, once we build the product, we think about e-commerce and trying to apply Omniscient for SaaS business, in this case, ourselves, sometimes you need to make hacks to do that. And yeah. there are tools, and there are tools which are really built for SaaS businesses. So it's much too, more convenient to really take, to even at some point to use your semi competitor, which with, let's say HubSpot, we use HubSpot for ourselves. And for some of the marketing communication, uh, so we kind of a little bit overlap, and sometimes we feel that as uh, we see that even e-commerce businesses are using HubSpot, but HubSpot is not really uh, meant to serve um, to serve e-commerce. So you know, we use HubSpot because it's built for SaaS, and we provide much better experience for anyone who's selling online. I mean, e-commerce businesses. Yeah, I get it. It makes total sense. Um, so w- what are some of the best ways marketers can think about uh, personalizing their outreach and marketing? Like, of course, every business is going to be very different, but are there any general guidelines or principles that you can provide? So I would say like initial initial uh, principle is like start thinking less about uh, like campaigns and start thinking more in uh, customer lifetime value on customer life cycle um, how to say why and what does that mean that if when, once you start thinking more about like a customer life cycle uh, so you can automate a lot of your marketing activities especially if you are online businesses and you have transaction which happens online so you have so many data points you have so many triggers which really enable you uh, to automate marketing messages and to put the relevant content into them because you know what customer was looking after i mean the product x or the product uh, y 
and uh, you can include exactly those products, lookalike products like our Buster Commanded, which work together, etc. And you can send messages uh, like email messages, text messages, Facebook Messenger messages on the time when the customer is really open for, for receiving your messages because he or she was just browsing on, on your store, was looking to that specific product. Or maybe uh, the one has bought uh, from you, uh, let's say, one week or two weeks uh, ago, and it's really a time to send a survey. Uh, how, how did you like our product? Can you please evaluate us? What was like, like NPS score, etc.? And, you know, each of the survey, each of this automation is, again, an opportunity to communicate with your customer and to upsell something or to cross-sell something. Uh, so that's kind of a main rule of thumb, how you can provide much more personalized experience with automating and really a trigger-based automated communication instead of just building up and sending one-off campaigns. Yeah, I know. That's uh, that, great tips. Um, great advice. I, I think you know, marketing now, it's, it's so much more difficult than it was like five, 10 years ago. Like now, like everyone just bombarded with so much noise and content constantly. So as a marketer, like it's very difficult to capture someone's attention for, for even like a few seconds. So, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, it's one of those things that are a lot easier said than done. Like it requires a lot of thoughtfulness, um, to, to do that successfully, but but yeah, you're right. I think, you know, as you said earlier, email marketing is dead in that sense. And you got to think about it more on a personalized uh, basis that makes sense for the recipient. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. It, it was just, you know, much, much more uh, easier, uh, as we said, even five years ago. And nowadays kind of, you know, I, I believe that talking about marketers so we are living in like fundamental transformation age but being a marketer is less about uh, big idea and it's more about data and about uh, you know uh, data analysis and really math uh, so the marketer uh, like great marketer 10 years ago was the one which was the most creative one uh, the great marketer nowadays is uh, more a data analyst than uh, really a creative person. So that's one of the transformations actually uh, marketers are going through uh, from traditional marketing to digital marketing. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good point as well. Um, talking about metrics, like, are, are there any metrics that you're closely looking at right now that you'd like to see OmniSend improve on? Uh, OmniSend as a business? Yeah. Yeah. I know so it changes over time, like depending on where you're at as a business, but uh, like currently speaking, are there any like metrics that mm -hmm. are sort of bothering you that you just want to uh, improve or grow? Yeah. So uh, for sure, it's uh, uh, totally like new, new business. We are following this um, all the time and like uh, uh, net dollar retention, probably the, the key metric, which uh, we are really close to like 100%. Uh, and dollar retention, uh, but but not not yet there, and it's it's pretty challenging. We are at the level of ninety eight, something like this. Uh, so it it's uh, it, it's it's pretty challenging to go uh, above above uh, one hundred. So that's that's what we're working uh, a lot currently on. So so that's like you know, negative churn. Uh, yeah. So to convert, yeah, to convert churn into negative. So I mean, so now now we kind of lose a bit more. Uh, 
So yeah, nettle retention is, is just maybe for some of our listeners if they are new to to, to, to to the business. So yeah, so you basically take uh, you basically uh, take your churn, uh, add add your contraction on top, and minus your expansion, and uh, you compare it uh, with uh, uh, the the beginning of the period amount. So basically, how do we do? Let's say your uh, MRR at the end of uh, January, you take your numbers from February, uh, it's uh, your uh, churn uh, plus your contraction minus your expansion, and then you divide this number uh, to the MRR uh, from the MRR uh, by the end of the January. Yeah, and so basically shows, uh, do, did you lose something like uh, uh, money-wise or did you start earning more from your existing customer base, including everyone who left you, uh, but just excluding everyone who came just new to your business. Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful one. I mean, that's probably the common answer I get when I ask uh, founders. And I think that's sort of like the, the Holy grail metrics. Like if you can make more money from your existing customers, than you lose customers. I mean, that's, um, that's where you got to be as a SaaS for sure. Um, so you're almost there by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, I mean, two years ago, we were at uh, 90%. Uh, so it, it takes time to improve this. Nice, nice. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Do you share like churn, like logo churn? Uh, Customer actually, churn? actually, we I mean, I have this data, but that's not one of the data points uh, we we track. Yeah. Because because okay. with logo churn, you know, in our businesses, we are serving uh, like the huge variety of customers from really, really like small ones, just the beginners who pay us like sixteen bucks per month, uh, to like pretty pretty substantial like large businesses who pay like thousands uh, per month. Uh, so the vast majority of churns, like logger churns, happens in that smallest customer cohort. Uh, so logger churn is is huge. I mean, it's it's big, but I just don't even track it on daily or monthly basis. It's it's all about like you know dollar retention. If expansion yeah. of existing customers is 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 greater than than we lose, so it's that's okay. We can lose you know thousands of those smallest customers because they just gonna they just go out of business. So. Uh, there's nothing we can do with them. They just drive their fortune. They start their online business. Uh, let's say drop shipment uh, venture, you know, uh, sending sending for products straight from China's warehouses, even even without like storing them locally in let's say Canada or US. So uh, so a lot of them just drive their fortune and they go out of business after four to six months. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. So. That's why I asked. I sort of assume that you you are dealing with a lot of like the smaller companies who sort of come and go, and that mm-hmm. sort of contributes to a lot of your churn. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense that you're not closely paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so you're the CEO of Omnisen, uh, again, big company doing 11 million in annual recurring revenue, which is huge. Uh, I'm sure you wear multiple different hats uh, as a CEO, but what does a typical day look like for you? Like, do you tend to gravitate towards a particular uh, department or section of the company? Uh, so it's, it's constantly changing. And uh, once like I, I read uh, uh, like a quote of Jason Lemkin, like probably everybody knows Jason Lemkin in the South world. Uh, so uh, 
so it was kind of written that, you know, it's going to become easier. <laughs> and, you know, I remember myself like reading this quote, let's say three years ago or something like this. And said, come on, when, when that day is about to come. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely once, once the company grows, it's uh, for the CEO becomes easier because you have, you kind of, how to say, you start wearing a bit less hats than you used to wear let's say at the very, very beginning and before you get to your first million in, in ARR. Uh, but yeah, the, the day looks like uh, I, I talk to like different departments and we're two co-founders. Uh, so we kind of um, uh, divide our responsibilities. I'm more responsible for our go-to-market activities and for driving uh, new business uh, for customer operations and for, and, uh, and for like, management in general, like financials, etc. And my co-founder, he's responsible for products. So engineering, design, uh, customer feedback loop, and all those things. Uh, yeah, so it's easier because I don't have to cover everything. Uh, yeah, and in general, in general, I work in, in this way that uh, if we have something uh, like new, like trying to establish, uh, uh, let's say, so you know, something new and I feel that they have to be in that department and we're building new processes somewhere. So I really take a hands-on approach for a month or two and, uh, and then just, you know, get out from there and leave for, for the leaders which are there. But, uh, but I believe it's, it's really a good way to remove bottlenecks and to, to be able to allocate more resources across the organization when, when we need it. So basically, I try to identify where we need to move the needle the most and just go there. So, you know, like currently I'm spending quite a lot of time with our partnership team. Uh, one month ago, I was spending a lot of time with our, let's say, marketing team. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's basically uh, how um, do, do I do it. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. Um, you know, you've grown like quite a lot in only six years. Like, was that always your intention early on or like, was that always the vision? Uh, you know, the initial vision was, uh, maybe not the vision, just the dream I shared with a team, uh, early days as well. So, uh, to, to one day to have a business where sun never sets in our customers' offices, uh, so it's more kind of, you know, romantic vision or romantic dream, I would say. Uh, now it's, it's reality now. So now we have another, another dream. So to have uh, the company where Sun never sets in our offices. Uh, so it's going to take time, uh, but, uh, but we have patience and sometimes, you know, some, some way you lose some way you win. Uh, but, uh, but in general, you're going kind of the right directions. So, yeah. At, at what point did you realize like, shoot, like I have to really think and, and start acting like a real CEO rather than just like being in the, in the weeds of things all the time. Uh, that was probably you no, know, that kind of one uh, aha moment. It was just, uh, just step by step probably and hiring new people, being able to delegate, uh, um, on more responsibilities on like, let's say initially on really day-to-day -day tasks, then, uh, then, then uh, second stage uh, delegate more like tactical level decisions and, and then, then move a bit, a bit more to, to kind of a strategic level. On the other hand, as I, as I just said, so uh, personally myself, I'm really hands-on CEO, I believe just not, uh, 
I, I try not to micromanage and I'm getting like really better on that. It, it was probably the most difficult thing to learn, uh, to stop micromanage, you know, because you know everything so good because you build this company from scratch and you feel that, you know, you know everything and the rest of the people don't know everything, which, uh, <laughs> which sometimes might be even right, but you, you, then you become a bottleneck and this is really starts hurting the organization. So, yeah. So, makes yeah, sense. so, yeah, so I would say it's kind of, it's a gradual process. So there is no just one moment and make a conscious decision to act in a different way. Nice. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm always curious to hear from companies uh, about how, you know, a company like you, you have 74 employees and growing in multiple countries, some remote, some in office. How do you handle uh, meetings and keeping uh, the organization just aligned and, and making sure everyone understands the vision and where the company's going? Uh, yep. This is, this is a very good question. <laughs> Yeah, so we have we have one uh, weekly all hands meeting, uh, which in which we basically uh, we report uh, like how the company is doing, and each department is reporting uh, like marketing, sales, uh, partnerships, uh, product, uh, customer operations, engineering. So uh, each department is reporting. Uh, how are we doing? So we kind of, we openly share within the organization, like uh, a lot of metrics, which are kind of most valuable and which we are tracking and measuring our success by, by, by them. Uh, so that's kind of one part of those meetings. Second part is really, we celebrate something uh, like our victories and talk about uh, the biggest challenges we have. And, uh, and the third, third thing. So uh, we used to have kind of uh which was kind of presented by me, uh, like philosophy part. Now I replaced it with uh, ask me anything session. Uh, so which is kind of a replacement of that. So basically, you know, people, like teammates are being able to ask any, any questions they, uh, they would like uh, me to, to address. So, yeah. yeah. So those all hand, all hand meetings, all hands meetings once a week and then kind of, uh, department, all hands meetings, uh, et cetera. But, you know, I would say that we are not kind of perfect in a remote culture yet. So we are getting better, but, uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's probably even more challenging in situation like ours when we have a lot of people being located in one office and the rest are remote. So I, I would assume it's easy either to have everyone in the same office or to be like fully remote, but all the processes are remote. So this hybrid is, is the most challenging. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. Makes sense. Do you do any like retreats where you get everyone together? Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so we do it uh, like, uh, three times per year. Uh, oh, we believe, yeah, we believe that it's, it's like very important. I mean, it costs money, but, uh, it really pays off and it really helps to, uh, to kind of know people on a personal level. So nice, nice. That's awesome. Um, you, you, so you manage obviously a big team spread across different countries. Like what are some of your favorite tools or apps you use or your team uses to stay productive uh, and organized? Any favorites you want to share? Um, so I would say kind of, 
which is seems to be so trivial, but it's like uh, so handy. It's uh, G Suite. Uh, with all online docs, with uh, like you know email there, with Google uh, Hangouts, which really provide a really really good uh, video and audio quality. Usually there are no uh, no no issues with, with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so probably this is kind of the, the the main and like cross departments. Some of them use Trello, some of them don't. Like engineers are using Jira and. Uh, all the all the tools uh, from uh, from Atlassian Stack and uh, uh, yeah, probably those are and Slack, yeah, Slack for for day to day communication for chat. Nice, nice, yeah, that's awesome. So, where do you want to see Omnisen in the next like three to five years? Um, a unicorn. <laughs> nice. One billion. Yeah. One billion valuation. So. You know, it's a dream. Uh, we'll see. Working, working hard on that. But, uh, but you know, as I can continue saying to the team, so um, to really succeed, you need uh, two major components. One is, uh, one is, uh, uh, you should be working hard and smart, and that's a fundamental thing. And second, you need luck on top. And. Uh, uh, so that's what uh, defines the success. So uh, I know that we're working hard and smart, but I know what we need some luck, which we, we cannot um, predict. So well, I think those sort of go hand in hand. I think uh, luck finds those who work hard. Maybe. Or if the luck comes, uh, you have to be ready to accommodate that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so is the plan an exit then, or just keep this thing going? Um. It both works. I mean, we don't have like very, uh, like, you know, set on stone plan. But yeah, I mean, it's it's business. It's not a kid, so it's 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 always for sale. Just a matter of, of of price. So no, once you get to the billion, you you'll, you'll definitely start thinking about it a lot more. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. But you know, first we need to get to a billion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I have no doubt you'll get there. Um, uh, Ritas, I, I do want to be mindful of your time. Uh, I do like to end off each chat with what I call the founders three. You ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. Number one, your favorite business book. Uh, so currently my favorite business books are changing. So currently I would say, uh, from, um, impossible to inevitable. It's already for a while by Jason Lemkin and Aaron Ross. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, number two, your favorite vacation spot. Oh, it's, it changes. I love traveling. I love traveling. I don't have one. I love changing. I rarely get back to the same spot twice. Yeah. Okay. Any recent trip that you really stood out? Uh, so we recent before the lockdown, like, uh, yeah. like, you know, vacation trip was to, uh, Dubai Emirates. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's like, completely different to what uh, we're used in let's say canada or, or western europe so yeah, it was different yeah, i'm sure nice and finally if you can go back what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business um i would say yeah just probably it's it's not for the omniscient because it was not my first venture but then i just started like a a, a business 
let's say carriers. So just just do it. I mean, it's a slogan of Nike, but I believe it's a good good uh, good quote for any any businessman. So you know, sometimes we just think uh, too much uh, before we start doing. We need to we want to polish things too much before launching them, and uh, and in many many occasions we just need to start doing things and uh, uh, a lot of things gonna be sorted out along the way i totally agree with that i sort of have a motto that's um you know most people like to get ready like to aim and then fire i like to get ready fire and then aim sort of figure <laughs> yeah, it out yeah. as you go just do it like you said <laughs> So that's yeah, awesome. I, yeah, that's that's a good about yeah. Aim far, like yeah, get ready far. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. <laughs> nice. All right, Ritas, thank you so much, man. This was a great chat. Uh, thank you so. Much. I'm I'm really glad we were able to connect. Uh, wish you continued success. Best of luck, and I hope we can chat again sometime. Likewise, really. Uh, thanks for inviting and pleasure to to be here and to talk to you. Thanks. All right. Awesome. Take care. All the best. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.